My name is Rob Sowers. I am pastor of Luther Memorial Church in Fond du Lac and a fellow student of the Word. And so I'm happy to share the Word of God with you this morning from Exodus chapter 34, the first seven verses. The Lord said to Moses, Cut for yourself two tablets of stone like the first, and I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you and let no one be seen throughout all the mountain. Let no flocks or herds graze opposite that mountain. So Moses cut two tablets of stone like the first, and he rose early in the morning and went up on Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand two tablets of stone. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. So the question that I want to consider on the basis of this text this morning is, why did the Lord have to command Moses to cut two more tablets of stone? And there's a very sort of simple answer to that question, but then there's a deeper answer, a more important answer for us to consider. So first of all, that sort of easy answer, and all you have to do to find that, and you probably already know the answer to this one, but if you don't, you can just page back a few chapters in the book of Exodus. So when we come to our text, the people of Israel, they are at the foot of Mount Sinai, and the Lord has just delivered them, remember, from their slavery in Egypt. 400 years, they were slaves in Egypt, but by the almighty hand of God, they're delivered. There were the plagues and the Passover the parting of the Red Sea, and all of a sudden they're free, set free again by the almighty hand of God, and now they're on their way to their very own promised land. As they journey down the way, then the Lord has them stop there at the foot of Mount Sinai. He had them stop because he wanted to make a covenant with them. And so that's what he does. He sends Moses up onto Mount Sinai, and the Lord himself cuts those two tones of stab- uh, uh, those, those two stone tablets, and with his finger, he writes that covenant. That covenant that was there to, to, to govern their worship life, to govern their civil life, to govern their moral life. And in, in exchange for their obedience, the Lord promised to make them his people. They would be a chosen people. They would be a holy nation. They would be a people for God's very own. They would be that nation through which the Savior of the entire world, the Savior of all nations, would come. And so with these two tablets of stone, then, that that, that God had given to Moses on top of that mountain, he makes that covenant with them, literally inscribing it again with his own finger. So what happened to those two stone tablets? Well, we have a little bit of a mention of it in the text that I just read, but you probably know that part of the story already. So you remember when Moses was coming down from that mountain 40 days after he had gone up, and as he's coming down the mountain, he hears celebration, right? He hears worship. 
But they're not worshiping the God that had just delivered them from their slavery in Egypt. No, they're worshiping a golden calf that they had fashioned, that they had said, here is the God that led you out of Egypt. And so you think of Moses coming down from the mountain with, with his commandments on those stones, the very covenant that God was making with his people on those stone tablets, and they're already right there breaking the very first commandment, that they should have no other gods before him. And so you remember what Moses does. He takes those tablets and he breaks them. He throws them to the ground, shatters them in a million pieces. And you could have given the people there all of the time. You could have given them all of the space and they never would have been able to put that covenant back together again. And it really is such a vivid picture, isn't it, of exactly what the people of Israel had done. God made his covenant with God's people and the Israelites had broken it. And so the easy answer then to the question, why does God have to command Moses to cut two new tablets of stone? Well, it's because they broke the first one. But again, there's a much deeper answer to that question. A much more important answer for us to consider. Why did God have to command Moses to cut those two new tablets of stone? He didn't have to. He didn't have to. But that's the point, isn't it? He didn't have to. He could have left the Israelites with that broken relationship, and he could have taken away all of those promises too, right? Not a chosen people anymore. Not a holy nation. Not a people belonging to him. All gone. The, savior, the, the nation through whom the Savior would come? Forget. Over. But God doesn't do that. No, he has Moses cut those two new tablets of stone. And then he tells him why. It's because of who our God is. And listen to how God defines himself. Listen to how God describes who he is again. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The real reason the Lord had Moses cut those new tablets of stone is because God loves his people. It's because it's all about who he is. It's because God wanted to renew that covenant. He still wanted to keep these people, a chosen people, a holy nation, a people belonging to him. He still wanted to bring the savior of the world through this people. And so even though the people of Israel were unfaithful, even though they had broken the covenant, that was not going to negate God's faithfulness. Because that's who our God is. When we wake up in the morning then, the situation that we find ourselves in is not so dissimilar from the situation that Moses found himself in when he woke up that morning that the Lord called him up to the mountain again, called him to cut those two new tablets of stone. You think about the commandments that the Lord has given us, right? Those commandments that govern our relationships with him, our, our relationship with him that govern our relationships with one another. 
And you sort of think through those things. The Lord gives us his covenant and he tells us to love him with all of our heart, to honor his name, to honor his word, to honor the representatives that he's placed over us, to love people instead of hating them, hurting them, harming them, to keep the marriage bed and every thought pure, to keep greed out of our hearts, to keep gossip out of our mouths, to be content with everything, trusting that the Lord will certainly provide for us. You think of those commandments and you think of of, of how well you have done with that. And you know what we see? I'll tell you what I see. A whole lot of brokenness. Our commitments to God are shattered so often, just like those two stones that Moses shattered, never to be put back together again. And God would be perfectly justified to leave our relationship with him shattered forever. He'd have every right to do that, but he doesn't. And why? Because just the way that the Lord describes who he was back to the people of Israel, that is the same God that he is today. That Lord who is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He is full of forgiveness. And so even though we break his covenant in so many ways over and over and over again, he remains faithful to us. Our unfaithfulness does not undo God's faithfulness to us. Because that covenant that he has made with us is rooted in that very same Savior that the Lord did indeed bring through his chosen people. That Savior lived and died in Israel with your sins and my sins upon his shoulders. And so that covenant is still good. It still stands. Even in spite of our sin and disobedience, it's still good. Even when our lives are filled with failures over and over again, his covenant to us is still good. He remains committed to us. Doesn't he show us that perfectly in Jesus? who came into this world to live to keep all of those commandments perfectly for us so that he could credit us with his righteousness, dying to pay for every single one of our sins, rising again to show us that we have eternal life. That shows God's commitment to you. And that shows God's commitment to this name that he gives us, this description that he gives us. He is indeed a God who is merciful and gracious slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and forgiveness. So rejoice. Because of who God is, you are forgiven of all of your sins. And so eternal life is yours. Thanks be to God. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll conclude this morning by singing hymn 742.